Welcome back to another episode of Back and Forth with Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. My name is John Vandergriff. I am one of the owners and wealth planners here at Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. I am joined as always by... Zach Hill. Zach Hill. <laughs> Operations Team Lead and Portfolio Manager. Yep. And Zach <laughs> is a man of many talents. Zach, if you don't watch uh, on YouTube, has an excellent ponytail. Um, <laughs> this is a man bun. He, he, okay, well, <laughs> everything. My daughter's hair is not too much shorter than yours, so I would consider hers a ponytail. But okay. you got a new tattoo? Yeah. Uh, still own Remedy Coffee. Very, yeah. How's Remedy Coffee doing? It's uh, I put I actually this morning I was there before work and put uh more chairs out for our customers. So we're back. We're back. We're back, baby. Well, and and so what we're gonna do today is talk about a topic that could affect Remedy Coffee, just like it affects many of you, and that is Very a topic so. of inflation. And so again, we want to talk about what it is, um, what it means. <laughs> what what really is happening, um, and then how to go about planning for it because, again, everybody's got a little different take on inflation and, you know, again, we'll, we'll throw ours in there, but try to back it up with as much logic as possible. So, uh, so again, uh, simple definition we use for inflation here is too much money chasing too few of goods. That's the Bob Fugit definition. <laughs> Uh, which I think is pretty good. And again, if we've learned nothing else over this last year, we should expect inflation because the economy stopped, uh, which messed up a lot of supply chains. But then also we threw way more money into the economy than we had before as far as stimulus <laughs> yeah. checks. So simple definition is holding up from 2020 to 2021, which is why we saw in April of this year, the CPI increase from uh, what they were estimating to be about 3.6%. It ended up being 4.2% uh, from the year prior, which doesn't sound like a huge increase as a percentage. You know, uh, That's uh, substantially higher than it's been in a long time. Yeah. And so, again, you know, it's one of those where it's, you know, much higher inflation than we've had in a long time, but not the highest we've ever seen. You know, right. so, so again, as we look at that, Zach, what things do you want to use to help us kind of round out <laughs> the way we need to look at inflation today? Right. Um, so every every time people talk about inflation, they just talk about prices in general, and it's really hard to think about what that actually means. Mm -hmm. So within the inflation report, there's a lot of different components to it uh, that impact that number. I mean, the the government's actually measuring a basket of goods and mm -hmm. seeing how those prices are changed year over year. Uh, and so, for instance, um, this one is really easy to think through, is um, one of the components of the headline CPI number is energy prices. Well, like you, I mean, like you mentioned and we mentioned on this podcast, you know, a year ago, uh, is oil was priced negatively. So any positive price change and the, for I mean, is just infinite because you're you're going from a negative price to a positive price. So, uh, I mean, any price of of oil that was above zero was going to create a huge inf uh, inflation print and have a tremendous impact on that because they're just you're just going up so much from last April. So, for example, uh, oil priced at negative thirty dollars a barrel versus oil priced at a positive sixty five dollars a barrel is a ninety five dollar a barrel increase, which is, I mean, an 
from percentage terms, infinite because you're going from negative, but that's a huge increase that we're talking about year over year. Yeah. Uh, and that that's one of the components. But as we start to peel back the layers of things, there's also some other things that are very simple that are, you know, you can actually just look at and say, well, that's that's interesting. Um, it, and we've talked about it before, there seems like there's a shortage on everything right now. There's yeah. shortages everywhere. I was talking to one of my friends last weekend and he uh, builds cabins and he had a huge deck on his cabin he was showing me. And I, I was like, oh, that's a really nice deck. And he said, well, it was going to be for a hot tub, but there's a hot tub shortage. I didn't know that. Hmm. Um, there's So the other things that go into this um, CPI print were things that there's a huge shortage of right now. For instance, the biggest component of this was used car pricing from last year to this year. Right. Used car prices were up 10% from last year, from last April to this April, which is the largest increase since 1953. Wow. So we're talking about a, a number that just beat a 70-something year old record <laughs> yes. uh, from last year to this year. And the car, the car price increase is because there is a used car shortage. There's yep. a car shortage. It is only supply and demand. There's not something in cars that are making them inherently more valuable going forward, cars will depreciate and eventually be worthless. That's You use them and they become worthless. But because there's a shortage and they're not able to make new cars right now, um, that is persisting right now and that's only supply and demand. We just yeah. had a big supply shock. We had the demand uh, actually did increase a little bit. Low interest rates and supply and or and stimulus checks helped demand, but supply just really had a huge negative yeah. shock there and that increased prices. So we've seen that across the board. We see that with lumber right now. There's been a huge increase in demand for lumber and supply is pretty much maxed out. We can't get any more supply. So uh, it's I, I don't think that it's really uh, well, and a lot of that too is not that there's not wood. It's right. not the ability to process it. Exactly. Make there's, it you lumber, can't. You know. Yeah. There's not a shortage of trees. The there's just not enough capacity at the lumber mills to process it and turn the trees into actual usable two by fours. And so that shouldn't. It's things like that that shouldn't exist forever. Um, and so, but right now, just because the economy just went to a full stop, I mean, we went we had negative 30% GDP growth. And then this year we're going to be potentially for the full year at, you know, eight or 10%. We're talking about something that, that when you compare those two and we're looking at specifically this time or April, 2021 to April, 2020, these numbers are going to be off the charts. It's going to be like that probably yeah. for May and June too. Would you, would you think... I mean, knowing what we know from April 20 uh, to April 21, would you say in some aspects maybe you're surprised that that number wasn't higher? I am actually really surprised at that Um, because, like we've talked about, it seems, I mean, there's a shortage everywhere. Prices are increasing across the board, um, even in, you know, rents and housing prices increasing. Uh, so 4.2% really is not that high. Like you mentioned this relative to history. Um, in the 70s and 80s, inflation was 10 or 15%. And every now and then, I mean, there was there were a couple of readings that were pushing 15%. Yeah. And so 4% is double what we've seen over the average of the last 30 years, but is still relative to where we have been in history um, is something that's not really that high. But one of the, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. For instance, wage growth is still really, really low. Um, we've talked about before, if minimum wage increases, that could put some pressure on inflation. Um, but overall, wage growth is has been a primary driver of inflation in the past. So that is pretty subdued uh, right now. So there are other things that you can point to and say, like, this is, um, you know, 
there are reasons it wasn't higher, but it yeah. did, it did it did surprise me. The other thing, but one of the things that you know economists look at is um, core core inflation, uh, and so what the core inflation number is versus what they call headline inflation is core inflation excludes energy prices and food prices because those tend to be extremely volatile. They can be seasonal at times, especially food prices can be sure. seasonal. So we strip those out, and you can get a much smoother, real picture of what's going on. And so when you take when you look at core CPI, it was actually the highest it's been since the 80s. Mm. Uh, and so that shows us that there is actually some underlying inflation pressure here. Um, And as you alluded to uh, in the opening of the podcast is a lot of that is people have been saving money for uh, the entire pandemic and they were getting paychecks. The personal savings rate was up at 30% at one point. Uh, And it has really hovered in the 20 to 30% range where historically has averaged between five and 10%. So people have saved money and now that they're spending it again, prices are just going and demand is going through the roof. And so, and and I'd say on the short term that will look to continue because with such a lack of supply, there are people that would normally be buying things right now that know the supply is crazy and aren't mm-hmm. even trying. Right. You know, so, I mean, it, it will be one of those where you'll, you'll start to get a supply boost, but the demand will start to pick up just because of the segment of the marketplace that's like, okay, now there's stuff. I can right. buy it. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, we've had the oil um, – issue here locally with the colonial pipeline and you know people just crazy buying gas for like a day and a half you know and there's like some segment of people that are like yeah i know that's crazy so i'm not going to buy anything but they have to have gas at some point right so it's there's always that aspect of things uh that exist and so so as we look at this i think you know what, what you hit second there the the rise in core cpi does show that we do need to pay attention to this. It will be something that will have more staying power, just not as much as it's showing right now. Do you feel like that's a yeah, fair statement? Or? I think inflation, the threat of inflation is realer now than it's been in the last 30 years. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if we're if we're not going to get inflation now, it's hard to see, see what could cause it. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, we're talking about, like you said, Two, you know, if we're looking at a core CPI of two and a half to three percent, that is substantially higher than the two percent that it's been. If you're thinking about it, too, it, but it's still really, really low. So we're in this weird split where we potentially have inflation, could see inflation coming, um, but it's not really high relative to history, but it's high relative to recent history. So it's this weird dichotomy of yeah. yes, there, there could. There, you know, there's inflation right now, and that could actually have a little bit of staying power. It won't be as high as it is, you know, the next few months. May it wouldn't surprise me if May's inflation reading was four and a half to five percent. Mm. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. But um, going forward, it could be a little bit higher than the trend has been recently. I mean, that's that's a significant possibility. But the underlying factor to all this is if wages increase, that is what's that is what causes sustained periods of inflation. So we've talked about minimum wages, but wages across the board, if they increase, then we could see substantial inflation. But I don't know. I just this is an anecdote that I thought about as we were talking about. As I talked to my dad, my dad is a car dealer. My entire family is in the car business. Um, my dad has three dealerships and I asked him, I said, what's, I said, when are you expected to get cars again? And he said that the manufacturers told him it would be two years before he would see normal supply. So if that's the case, this used car print 
could could last a couple of years. Yeah. Um, but the market is not expecting inflation to last very long at all. The the market measure for the five year expectation of average inflation is two point six percent right now. Mm-hmm. So a five year average of two point six percent would be a lot higher than two percent. You know, if yeah. you're thinking about it. But it's still, I don't know. How does that and you may not have this, but how does that compare to where that inflation expectation was maybe at, like, January? Do you have that? <laughs> I have. So last March, uh, the five-year – last March, the five-year uh, – they're called break-evens. The five-year break-even, it measures the inflation rate that the tri- that tips are paying. Um, the five-year break-even was 0.16% in March of 2020. Uh, in January, let's see, it was 2%, and now we're at 2.6. Yeah. Historically – it has averaged anywhere between one and a half to three percent. It yeah. has been really tight in that range. So two point six percent is lower than it was even back in two thousand and eleven at mm-hmm. some at some points in time. So uh, if we're looking at the break evens, they really don't look that out of whack. But what they're saying is short term could be really you know we could see some really high inflation prints right now. Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean like we had alluded to, all of the current events point to this trend continuing it's just Mm -hmm. a matter of you know how long term is this because like you know to talk about wage increase you you see a a very substantial amount of uh now hiring signs and like fast Mm -hmm. food and everything and largely because that demographic is still on federal unemployment assistance and so it'll be interesting to see as that shift changes you know that that wage base you know may go back to work, you know, at a lower than what most people are expecting wage now. Um, right. But, again, it's just there are lots of things that are going on right now that may not continue. Because, I mean, like you said, two years in the grand scheme of things is not a long time. No, and but, but and cars and other things, like I was by, by a friend who's in the real estate business and building cabins, uh, there's not an infinite dema- demand for hot tubs. There's not an infinite demand yeah. for yeah. <laughs> there could be if, We're about if to see we hot tubs sweep the yeah. nation. If we get if we keep getting stimulus checks every three months, at some point I'll buy a hot tub. Yeah. If you keep getting locked down, you know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> soaking in your own pool of stuff at your house. Why not? So. So yeah. So those. So eventually, that demand is is what, and the you'll hear the word transitory. That's what they're calling all of these inflation prints right now is transitory because a lot of people do not believe that it will that it will be long term. Transitory right. means that it will be short term, and once we get through the base effect of prices being at zero at this point last year, and then some obscene percentage higher this year, once we get over that, you'll take a look and say, okay, well, we know used car prices are eventually going to come down. Yep. When supply catches up, those are eventually going to come down. Lumber, at some point, that demand is going to cool off. Uh, that was a, you know, that was another pandemic. I mean, specialty where people were staying at home and wanted to build things and improve things and had yeah. new hobbies and all kinds of stuff. So at some point, those things will slow down. It's not some infinite loop where it just feeds on itself. Right. And so now what we want to do is, you know, transition to, you know, what what we can do to help guard against inflation. Because, again, if we think that inflation will be here in some capacity, it just may not be as rampant as it is now you know, it would be good to include in what we're looking at strategies of how to fight against it. And so when we come back, that'll be kind of the topic of discussion is, 
Yes, we have inflation in varying degrees right now. How do we go about positioning money to where we help solve that? So, Are you nearing the age of retirement? Is your 401k not looking the way you'd hoped all those years ago? Retirement is supposed to be a time to relax, a time to live. Here at Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, we strive to provide that service and opportunity. We can help you form a plan that will maintain and grow your retirement savings so that you can achieve what you envisioned when you originally set out on this journey. To see where you sit and what you can do to stand again, visit planforeverything.com. That's planforeverything.com. Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. Let us plan for everything so you don't have to. Welcome back from our break on back and forth with Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. Uh, We are talking about inflation today and, you know, the... I guess, ramifications of COVID that we've had on supply chains, but also price increases, stimulus checks, all this coming together, being mixed into a, you know, a little uh, mixing bowl here. The outcome has been inflation, and we'll get to enjoy that for a little <laughs> while. So, so as we look at it from a planning perspective, I um, want to spend a little bit of time talking about, because I think one of the interesting things just from a short-term perspective is like, we talked a little bit last time about goals and how do we build portfolios for goals. And I think one of the things that's been really good about, um, you know, the, the models that we have here is during interest rate increase that we've seen and, and some expectation of inflation, we've seen models stay flat or go up, mm-hmm. you know, where most of their benchmarks have gone negative. And so we want to talk about pieces that we use to fight against inflation, but also strategies that we can use to as far as how and where we position money to make sure that we have as much flexibility to fight against inflation. Right. So so as you look at it from an investment perspective, and, and Zach, um, in his background, obviously is managing portfolios here, but spent a pretty good bit of time managing commodities, you know, in, in yeah. previous stops before this. So, so talk a little bit about that and, and kind of what is reasonable to expect to fight against inflation, what things people think do but actually don't Mm -hmm. you know yeah and i'll touch on the first thing because i think this hits retirees the most is the absolute worst place to be in inflationary periods is in long-term bonds yeah you i mean that because the one of the key components to how interest rates are derived is the expected inflation rate and so inflation goes up expected inflation goes up Long-term or yields across the board go up, but long-term bonds especially uh, are hurt substantially worse. I mean, we saw the TLT ETF with long-term treasury bonds hit a, a, a drawdown of 20% at one point for mm-hmm. long-term bonds. So that's that's just not where you want to be at all. So that's I just I want to get, take that off the board right there because you just don't want to be in bonds um, and especially long-term bonds. Now there's another piece of that where diversification in bonds helps a lot. It helps substantially, but you can go shorter on that curve, on the yield curve. You can do a lot of things within your bond portfolio that really helps it mitigate those effects, but interest rates during inflationary periods are going to go up. That's just yeah. for a formula of how it works. So you say, well, knock bonds out. What, what are some things that have historically done well when we had inflation? Well, um, stocks do extremely well during inflationary periods. Um, they have in the past, in the 70s, when inflation was average, you know, at above 5 and 10% at times, stocks 
we're doing super, super well. Um, stocks had extremely high returns, uh, and this was on a gross basis, not an inflation-adjusted basis, but um, stocks had extremely high returns, earnings growth. I think during the 70s, earnings growth was higher for a decade than it's ever been for the S&P 500. Uh, and so we saw companies' grow, ability to grow their earnings because what happens with companies is they don't eat the cost of inflation they pass that on to the consumers and yeah. it and it helps cause inflation but they get the, they don't have a decrease in their earning power at all they make sure to pass all those costs on so stocks are doing well but also as you touched on uh, the historically the best hedge for inflation is having some piece of your portfolio exposed to commodities yeah uh, commodities and real assets do extremely well during periods of inflation um, Commodities are the easiest because we have the most historical data to compare. It's been really tough uh, with other real assets, you know, um, such as real estate. Is we don't have a lot of real estate data that goes back very far. But I, you know, I was telling somebody the other day that if you own a home and have a mortgage payment and you have a lot of fixed debt and inflation goes up, that's incredible for you because yeah. your your fixed mortgage payment is going to be the same for the next 15, 20 years. Uh, and so inflation he only helps you in the amount of, uh, you know, the amount that you have to pay back because what you're paying back is now less. Yep. Uh, so those type of things are really, really positive. Uh, so if you have a mortgage, honestly, you know, there's a lot of complexities that go around that, but inflation can actually help you there, uh, especially if your wages are going up because yeah. if inflation is going up then and it's sustained, and inflation is sustained, that means that we've seen wage growth. So if you see wage growth and you have a fixed mortgage, then you are just paying back, I mean, so much less than you initially were as a percentage yeah. of your total income. Yeah, and you've got more that's staying with you right? that same income. It's, it, so, so those things are all great. Um, commodities, like I said, historically have done really well during periods of inflation. That's actually really one of the only things that commodities can do for a portfolio is hedge against inflation. Yeah. In my, I mean, in my opinion... Commodities are pretty useless in a lot of ways um, because they're they're commodities. They're used. They yeah. don't they they don't generate cash flow like a company does or a bond does. They don't pay interest. But what they do is they tend to go up in price during inflationary periods because they're one of the inputs to inflation. Yeah. Like I said, energy prices is one of the main inputs. And so if there is sustained inflation, that is probably because energy prices and commodity prices as a whole have gone up. Yeah, and it goes back to that definition we used. You know, too much money chasing too few of goods. If you invest yep. in the goods, that's the right relationship you want the money to have to what you're invested in because it's chasing it and driving the value up. Right. You know, and so when the money is not chasing the goods, then, <laughs> you know, it, it's not providing much value there. Um, right. And so those things are good. Like I said, in the bond world, you want to stay away from bonds. But there are some ways you can kind of help. Like you can hold a – there's – what's called TIPS, a Treasury Inflation Protected Security. So it's a it's a Treasury bond that pays you a fixed percentage plus the current rate of inflation. Mm -hmm. uh, and so as inflation goes up, it's going to pay you more. Um, so tips, can, tips are the traditional way to fight inflation in a bond portfolio. Um, but overall, I think, I mean, it's been kind of the case for our portfolios internally, but across the board over the last year, is, as we've repeatedly said, stay away from long-term bonds for a lot of reasons, but inflation is one of the primary reasons there. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think those, are, those are kind of the things that we need to take a look at is this might be the first time in a very long time it's worth adding some small exposure to commodities. Uh, and I say that as a very broad base because just getting into one commodity is not really ever a good idea because it's so volatile. 
possible. Yeah. We've seen, uh, you know, oil or even gold, the price of oil and gold can swing five and 10% on a daily basis. Like it's nothing. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's not a big deal for oil to have a 5% down day. That's, that's, and that's a lot of money. So if you have broad commodity exposure, you still get that inflationary protection, um, there, but you don't have to get locked into just a specific commodity. Um, but for the first time and maybe, you know, 10 or 15 years is a time where we start to think about, you know, what kind of role commodities can play in a portfolio. Right. And I think, you know, as we start to zoom out a little bit from that and start to talk about ways that you can help position money, let's say you're retired and you're trying to, and and I talk about this with people and you had alluded to this, one of the best ways you can fight inflation is to be employed. (laughs) Because if you are worth something, you know, and your market value is uh, competitive, that means to keep you in the position that you're at, they've got to increase your pay based on what the market dictates that position's worth. When you retire, the responsibility to factor in for inflation is largely on your shoulders because historically, Social Security has not given enough cost of living adjustment to Mm -hmm. keep up with CPI and other measures of, you know, inflation. Um, But then with that not making up, you know, most people's entire income need, then making sure that you position your savings in a good spot for inflation becomes that much more important. Right. And so the the big thing you have to look at from a practical financial planning standpoint is um, how much <clears throat> of your money does it take for you to provide the lifestyle you need today? Because if you need 90%, then you only have flexibility on 10% of your money to factor in for um you know, short-term needs, long-term right. growth, inflationary, incre- like a lot of different things. And so if you need half of your money to provide your income today, that other half has a lot more flexibility where it can be invested in, like you said, either commodity-type investments, market-related, you know, um, stocks and, and things of that nature mm-hmm. to where you can have that flexibility. But it's just too many people are kind of missing the point of a retirement plan. <laughs> today because it's investing in the stock market gives you a lot of things, but it, one of those is not usually consistency on your income. Right. You know, and so when people get to a point where they say, I want to invest my money in the stock market and it's going to do all these things. And and really when you look at a majority of investors only using stocks, bonds and cash, you know, it's putting all the pressure on the stock market to be this end all be all piece and it will until it's not, you know. I mean, it's just, you know, there there are over time stocks should keep up and, and help bolster against inflation, but there have also been times where they haven't, you know. So well, what you get when you invest in stocks 100% of the time is volatility. Yep. And so if you're in retirement, volatility is – Your enemy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Although some people say, well, I want upward volatility. <laughs> I would love that. Always. Yeah, I would, I would. Um, so, so no volatility isn't necessarily the answer because that means you're not going anywhere. You're just flat. Right. But, but yeah. So as we look at that, that's the big thing is is understanding what you need from an income perspective. Uh, a lot of that, you know, people don't like budgeting, but a lot of it is just understanding what it is. Because like you had talked about, one of the worst plans 
possible from a very practical standpoint is, let's say you set up a, a situation for retirement. You say, I need X dollars a month. You set up your investments to do that. You start pulling that much money out. It's more money than you need. You start building up a huge bank balance because <laughs> you're taking too much from your investments. And what you've done is cannibalize any potential for return right. on that extra money. And so by not being a good steward of what you're spending on a monthly basis, you're actually robbing your inflationary protection because you're taking it out of any kind of investment <laughs> is going to have more potential today yeah. than a bank account will. You know, And so uh, by not honing in on what the need amount is and letting that be a relevant number, um, you know, again, it's one of those where we want to – uh, make sure you're you're honed in on what that is, and then we can dial in what percentage of your money we can af- efficiently position to provide mm-hmm. that, and then how much can we get flexibility on for not just inflation, but long-term growth, you know, liquidity management, so that we can have monies available in case you have an expense that's larger than what your monthly draws are. Right. You know, so it's just that starts to get so practical uh, that you know most of the time when people have had the lack of concern for inflation for a long time, it doesn't have a place in a portfolio anymore. You know, it's like, oh, well, we're not having inflation. Let's just take that money we would normally put there, and we're going to put it in this market piece that's, you know, a 10-year or longer need bucket. And it's like, well, we we can do that. But now, like you said, it may warrant starting to add commodities or things that are directly linked to inflation, you know, into the equation. So, yeah. So anything to add to our discussion there? No, I think you, you touched on this, and I, I said this earlier. As I said, one of the worst places and maybe the worst place you can be for inflation is long-term bonds. But maybe, and this could be an argument to be made, but maybe what should go in that number one spot is a bank account. Like you said, bank accounts will continually lose money over time because, like you said, people say they want upward volatility. Well, if you stick it in a bank account during a period of inflation, you're only getting the downside of volatility because every single year you're just losing that purchasing power. And so that's another thing to think about is um, that doesn't seem to be very practical because your balance at a bank, if it's $100, it stays $100 till you take money out. Well, if if you take it out five years later, that $100 will buy you a lot less. And so the inflation just eats away at that purchasing power. So having a plan where, like, you said you can get some element of growth that protects you against inflation so you can keep the same spending and purchasing power that you have now so that you know so that inflation doesn't just continually eat away at your money because preservation is not only about making sure that you know you can live a confident retirement today it's making sure that you can live confidently in retirement for the next 10 or 15 years yeah yeah so so hopefully this has helped you understand a little bit more about what we're hearing about inflation, but also how you can respond to it. Um, you know, and I think the message that you're hearing from today is that inflation will be a factor. It may not be as much of a factor as we'll see on the short term, you know, because of all of the complications that come from shutting down your economy uh, a year later. Um you know, it's not just immediate. It, it's going to be some things that have to work themselves out. But I think, you know, as we look at this, it will be one of those where, you know, adding that component into a plan is now starting to make more sense than it has in the last, you know, five to 10 years. And so, you know, being aware of that, but also having someone that you can talk to and walk through that discussion with you, I think is wise. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you want to get more information about us, Back and Forth Podcast is definitely the place to go to to get show notes and, and maybe some articles, because I know you had an article that you referenced with, 
you know, CPI mm-hmm. and different things. So we've got that information, obviously more uh, shows that we've had, but also if you'd like to get more information about how we can potentially help you in these areas, you know, we would be happy to do that. So as far as this episode, though, that's all mm-hmm. we have. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, and we look forward to being back and forth with you another time. Investment advisory services offered through Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through Madison Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, MAS, and Blue Ridge Wealth Planners are not affiliated companies.